0: Keep Nintendo weird, my friends. Your boy Seth here, bringing you another episode of the Weird Nintendo Podcast about loving weird Nintendo games. i got kind of a lot to talk to y'all about today. Uh, An exciting episode with Barry Carenza from uh, Premium Edition Games. Head over to PremiumEditionGames.com and check out their offerings over there. They're a physical publisher of, of physical independent games Um, I think they've branched out to other consoles now but a lot of Nintendo Switch games over there Um, and I believe at the time if I have everything correctly granted patrons do get early access to this show but when this goes public I believe um, their latest releases will either be going live soon or will have just gone live so head on over there I believe their latest uh, releases are Raji and Ancient Epic and They Bleed Pixels I don't know my guest, Barry, is going to uh, talk much more about that when we get into the episode proper, so definitely stay tuned to that. And links are, as always, in the episode description or the video description if you are watching on YouTube. And uh, Barry's a great guy, good friend. We've had him on All ends several times, and... um Always a pleasure to chat with him. He reached out kind of, you know, asking if there was any room in the scheduling to, to have him guest on All In, and we couldn't really, we, we had so much going on and continue to have so much going on over there as we get into the holiday season, but I was like, but dude, I know you're a you know huge collector, huge gamer. I would love to have you on Keep Nintendo Weird if there's a game that you think is kind of weird or underrepresented, and I kind of threw in there. I'm kind of leaning more in the 3DS and Wii U direction right now, still kind of focusing on 3DS and Wii U games as we move into those eShop closures in March. Um, And he was like, how about Radiant Historia? Radiant Historia is a phenomenal um, Japanese role-playing game for the 3DS. Well, it originally was for the DS, but then the 3DS got sort of the definitive version of it. And uh, that is what we're going to be talking about with Barry Carenza today, and it's going to be a great episode um, of Keep Nintendo Weird. Kind of a unique and interesting RPG that has totally flown under the radar, criminally, for a lot of people. But interestingly enough, you know, I never know how these episodes are going to go. I, I don't keep notes in front of me. I'm not... I don't have an agenda whenever we do an episode of Keep Nintendo Weird. It's just all about the passion, and I never know where the conversation is going to go. So it was really interesting when I sat down with Barry to record this one that, you know, we talk about the game, of course, and Barry makes some excellent observations about the game, and there's certainly a lot of love for the game itself. But I think we get into a really interesting conversation that I'm glad we tapped into about the nature of preservation about the nature of 3ds preservation in particular um, about sort of the mindsets that we can have as passionate fans and kind of the realities of physical production so he he brings a very unique perspective i feel like to this conversation and, uh, and i hope you guys enjoy the episode as much as i do so um we're, we're looking forward to that but before we do let's talk about a couple of things so uh, I want to point you guys to a couple of, of my friends' podcasts real quick. Um, a couple that I have guested on here recently. Uh, Gamer Looks at 40 that my friend Bill Tucker does, who uh, who is an amazing person. And, um, and he just does a phenomenal job on that podcast. He's been covering the Zelda series. And right now, he's been releasing um, episodes about A Link to the Past. Uh, I believe Link's Awakening is coming up. And it's just been my total honor to get to contribute a small piece to that. So if you want to hear even more of my voice, uh, look up A Gamer Looks at 40 and uh, and support that show. That's a very, very special podcast. And then um, I was just recently on the Nintendovania podcast with uh, this guy, Josh, who um, I've sort of been aware of for a little while. We have a lot of mutual friends, but he reached out and he was like, hey, can you 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 know can you come on my show? I'd love to have you. And um, I was happy to do it. We made it happen. Even though he lives in Australia, so there was a massive time zone difference. And just a very passionate, well-spoken dude who puts a lot of love and care into his show. So, Nintenvania, I definitely want you to check that out. I was on the latest episode of that show as well. Kind of, you know, I, I was there was a time where I was guesting on shows a lot. And uh, I've kind of taken a bit of a backseat to, to guesting. Not... It sort of happened organically because I've never turned down a guest invite, but um, I I haven't been putting myself out there as much either as I used to because I'm just so busy. Um, There's a Bayonetta 3 video review going up on the Carpool Gaming channel this week that I've been working hard on, currently playing a ton of Sonic Frontiers, trying to get that together. Eric and I are going to do a huge review discussion for that on All-N. And then um, we've got Pokemon coming out this week. That's going to be massive. In, in the middle of all of this, I don't know if this is picking up on the mic or not. My dog is here in my office with me as I record this intro. The poor baby's been dealing with a hematoma. Her head's all wrapped up. She's got a bed in my office. She's sleeping and snoring. I don't know if it's getting picked up or not. I just didn't have the heart to kick her out for this intro. Y'all understand. You're good. Uh, so it's been it's been kind of a really busy time for me in my life right now. But um, but I'm always so happy when I can put this show together. Keep Nintendo Weird is my baby. It's my passion project, and we've got some exciting stuff in the works. Um, probably gonna be at least two more episodes, I would say, before the end of the year. Um, I have one that I'm recording very soon, and then I have another one kind of in the works too. So anyway, I would expect at least two more episodes of Keep Nintendo Weird before the end of the year, and we're still going to continue to focus on 3DS and Wii U games leading up to March. I wanna try to cover as many of these as as we can. Um And your suggestions are always welcome and appreciated for those. If there's a 3DS or Wii U uh, weird Nintendo game that's underrepresented that you think people should definitely, you know, look at and buy. Um, You know, if you'd like to suggest a guest, if you would like to guest and if it's a game that you're passionate about, um, I'm happy to chat with you. Just reach out to me and let me know. Either DM me on Twitter or, you know, reach out to me on YouTube or whatever it is. Um, Check out our Discord. We have links to that always in the show notes as well. So um, any way that you would like to reach out and talk about weird Nintendo games, I'm happy to facilitate that. But our patrons do get first pick on KNW episodes over on patreon.com slash all in podcast. We actually have now nearly 20 patrons, which is unbelievable. Um, just an amazing group of people over there who choose to support uh, what we do. And I cannot thank you all enough. And at our golden banana and Triforce tears, of course you do get shout outs here on our podcasts um, that go live to the public, so we want to thank very deeply from our Golden Banana bunch, Dan Caparello of the Retrologic Podcast, Rob Yapel Third Strongest Mole, also of the Retrologic Podcast, the Third Strongest co-host of the Retrologic Podcast, Sean Shano Baggins, Ashton Tim A, aka Neo Prime Thirty Three, aka Nintendo Dad Number Four. Matt Shy Guy City Murray, who's guesting on All End this week, actually. Shy Guy, both of them the members of the Fearless Shy Guy mod squad. Drew Agnew, the handsome host of the House of Mario podcast. And Phelan Ward, the host of the Damage Counter Pokemon Trading Card Game podcast. Definitely check. Those folks out and show our Golden Banana Bunch your love and support. Moving into our Triforce tier, our ultimate Triforce tier patrons. Da-na-na-na. We have got Josh Vaughn, longtime friend and supporter and godfather of Tingle Love Tuesday. John Cummins, the third and final co host of RetroLogic, as well as the host of On Topic Retro, and just an amazing dude, uh, one of the benefactors. Of uh, of our Bayonetta 3 giveaway that we did on Twitter. Just an amazing guy. Definitely support John and everything he does. The Globe Trotten jet set and sparky. Adam Caparello, the host of Retro Groove, Octorock 1982, with a brand new YouTube channel that you should definitely check out. And of course, the fan favorite, the legend himself, the one and only, Uncle Randy. Thank you so much for your support, Uncle Randy, who was actually on an episode of the $2 HeroCast, which is one of two Patreon-exclusive podcasts. So there is a ton of perks on uh, on patreon.com slash all-in-podcast. And if you would like to join the ranks of the amazing people that I just shouted out, head over there and see what tier works best for you. If you can't throw any bones our way, I do understand. Look, we're getting into the holiday season. I've spent way too much money on video games this year, God knows. Uh, and my, my dog, the snoring one in the background there has eaten up a lot of my money recently too. So like, I get it. I get it. Um, but there is a way that you can support this show entirely for free. And that is by dropping some words, leaving us a five-star review on the podcast service of your choice that, um, allows for it. And I've got one that I want to shout out here from shy guy. One of the people I just shouted out on American iTunes. Shy guy leaves us a five-star review that just reads Weird. That's the title anyway. Weird Nintendo is best Nintendo. Seth and friends do a brilliant job exploring Nintendo at its quirkiest and thus finest. Five stars. Thank you so much for that review, Shy Guy. An amazing person. An amazing friend. And uh, that's the goal. That's the goal of this show. We love Weird Nintendo. It's all about the love of weird Nintendo games, and uh, we are highlighting a very special one this week on the show with a very special person. So, without any further ado, let's talk about Radiant Historia. Let's welcome Barry Carenza from Premium Edition Games to the show, and as always, let's keep Nintendo weird. Right. Hey, Barry, good to see you, my friend. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, dude. I'm excited to do this um, for many reasons. So, Barry, you are from Premium Edition Games, among other things, various podcasts and whatnot. I definitely want to give you a chance to talk about yourself a little bit here, but I'm, I'm excited to do this because you are somebody who deals in the, you know, the physical distribution of video games and, um, and you know, that's obviously a huge focus for this show and the love of these kind of underrated Nintendo games. And we're talking about a great one tonight. And, um, you know, we've had you on all end several times talking about this stuff and I'm just really, yeah, I'm, you're, you're the perfect person to talk about and, and you're, you're the perfect fit for this show. So thanks for, for taking the time out and coming on here.
1: Oh, it's, it's a, truly honored to be here and uh I always like sitting down talking with you Seth so yeah you said you want to do it I mean like, yeah absolutely clear fun my schedule. times <laughs> yeah let's in fact do I it, was man. so excited I thought we were doing it last night you know not- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah hit me up last <laughs> <laughs> night like it's tonight right and I was like oh man did I like accidentally I think I was in the middle of recording the Nintendo drive when you sent that and I was like god <laughs> I hope not I hope I didn't tell this dude <laughs> Tuesday so that would have been a nightmare yeah but uh <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm excited, dude. But before we get into it, yeah, tell the folks uh, who might not be familiar with you just a little bit about who, who Barry is and, you know, a little bit about premium edition because you guys have a lot of exciting stuff going on all the time. So,
1: yeah. So uh, my name is Barry Carenza. I am a game historian, a game collector, a game player uh, for my entire life uh, on top of doing podcasts. Uh, Like Nintendo Fuse and the Premium Playcast, I'm also a founding member of Premium Edition Games, where we take digital-only titles and we release them physically in high-quality physical releases. We've started the Switch, we've done uh, many releases on the Switch, and now we've just announced, hey, we're doing the PlayStation 4 and 5 as well. Yeah. Uh, So look forward to those, which is really exciting. Um, So right now we're in the middle of our fifth series of titles. We've got Eagle Island Twist up for pre-order. Uh, and Love 3, both from RetroWare. Uh, Eagle Island Twist is a two-in-one game. It's Eagle Island and Eagle Island Twist. One is like a roguelike Metroidvania, and the other one is like, uh, uh, it's more casual. It has like a Mario 3-style map. It's got different levels. One's like Smash Brothers, one's a race, one's platformer. So it's it's a really a lot of fun. And then Love 3 is a precision platformer with uh, like old-school style of graphics, but it has all the levels of Love One and Two, so it's really like all three games yeah. in one. And then we also have Raji, an Ancient Epic Enhanced Edition, as well as They Bleed Pixels coming very soon on November 16th. They go live at noon. Sick. Um I mean what's there to say? I mean Raji an Ancient Epic is pretty much isometric God of War with Indian mythology Beautiful and it's the enhanced edition. They upped the graphics. They they enhanced the enemy AI. They added new languages. They they retailed a lot of the the gripes that people had with the game. It's the definitive version, as well as uh, they bleed pixels, which is a precision platformer with a combat system, a one-button combat system like uh, Smash Brothers, where you push the button to attack. You push the button and up. You do a different attack. Uh, You get to make your own checkpoints based on you know after you've done enough combos. challenging but a really really cool story and a lot of fun so those are available in standards and retros we have a bunch of other titles from a previous series that are available right now they're in stock we also have our series two of our series four titles should be going up sometime this month. They should be in hand and shipping, which is Wonderling DX and Rain in Your Parade. And we also have Orbody, Body, A Binder's Tale, uh, our first NES release, should be shipping and uh, we should have a few copies left to go up in stock later this month as well. Uh, so there's a lot of exciting things happening and we're definitely planning for a very big 2023 that I look forward to being able to talk about.
0: Yes, that's gonna be cool. Yeah, what's what's great about Premium Edition too is just like the um the games that you guys select. You guys just don't you don't do just anything. You know, you don't just like you're, you're picking games that you've that you've played that you are passionate about that you know uh, are of a high quality of a, of a standard of quality. And what's what's a really great indicator of that? We do indie showcases every week on on All N our main show, and a lot of these games have been covered by <laughs> All N, so it's like cool the seal of quality <laughs> premium edition, all ends stamped. Uh, you know, we've, I mean, we, we love the, the guys that like Bitwave are now retroid, yeah. um, uh, uh, studios. And, and then we, you know, Fred woods been on the show. Um, you know, we've covered Raji on the show. Like a lot of these games have, you know, we've covered and we, we can vouch for their quality. So,
1: which is, which is the funny thing because, you know, we, we always do. We pick titles that we resonate with us and we, 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 you know we definitely kind of curate our releases because we go slowly we can afford to do that and we want people to know that if they're picking up a premium release they're picking up a high quality title on top of uh it being complete on cart we, we're trying to it with the game preservation to make sure that. that all the games are complete on cart but last time i was on all in was uh, for series four and you had just had uh, Bitwave on and it was just so funny because yeah. I was like biting my tongue. I was like, oh, I can't, you know, because we hadn't revealed we were doing Wonderling DX yet. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to flip yeah. uh, when they see that. It was just so funny.
0: It was great. That that was, yeah, that was a great moment for us. And we, you know, I had a feeling there, there. I had a feeling there. I was like, there's got to be something, you know. Yeah, we we had just had Bitwave had just recently rebranded and everything and Wonderling DX was kind of coming out and uh, and those guys are great. So yeah, I just... I, I love the curation of premium and, um, yeah, I, we, we were a big fan of what you guys are doing and it's, and it's cool to, to have you here. You're somebody, so I, I got to ask about this, Barry, cause you, you had said, and I reached out to you and, and we were talking about doing this episode, you had said you have a complete 3ds collection. That is correct. Oh my God. Like I got to know a little bit about that. Was that just, was that something you were just there day one, picking up everything
1: or... No, uh, I was a day one 3DS owner ambassador twice actually because I got one for my wife as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were there day one: Pilot Wings Resort and Super Street Fighter, you know, four yeah. 3D edition. Uh, I think it was Asphalt 3D, and uh, uh, those are the the oh Super Monkey Ball. That was my first first pickups. Rayman but and
0: whatnot. <laughs>
1: Rayman was there. Yeah, I, I didn't pick yeah. that up at launch. But no, it was one of those things where I loved the 3DS. I would get the games I wanted, but over time, I would pick up cheaper games, and it was about 20, I want to say 2016, Uh 2015 to 2016, I started to realize that there was a change in the, in, like, systems and releases, physical releases, and I looked at the Vita, and I was like, well, the Vita is going to be, like, the next Saturn and the Wii U is going to be like the next Dreamcast. So I'm going to go and get those sets now while they're still available. And then I decided to pull up a list of the 3DS. I'm like, well, since I'm here and GameStop had a bunch cheap, so I started grabbing them and I pulled up a list and I was like, I'm like 40 games away at this point. Like I might Might as as well just (laughs) go for it. And what's funny is when I was looking at that list, you know, a lot of them were some Lego games I missed. A lot of cheapo games, but I remember distinctly seeing a few games and I was like, I don't, I don't even remember seeing these. One of them was was Barbie, uh, and you know the the big one. And I was like, I don't remember ever hearing this. And I went on Amazon, and it was one up for sixty bucks, brand new. So I bought it. Didn't think anything of it. It came. I was like, cool, now I've got it. And then the Guinness record video went up and the game shot up in value and and it was, found out how rare it was. And I was like, holy crap. And I, I felt bad. I'm like, I'm buying a Barbie game for 60 bucks. Now I'm like, thank God I did. Yeah. Because um, I wouldn't. Uh, and then, then uh, Alien Chaos, which is another expensive game. Back then what I did is I went to GameStop's website and I looked at games that were like five bucks. Like, what are their five-buck games? Let me grab them. And that was one of them. And because when you buy from GameStop.com, you don't know what you're getting. You have no idea what condition. So I called it the GameStop Gamble, where I bought five of every game I ordered from GameStop, figuring I'm going to hopefully get one complete, and I'll return to my store. I got five complete Alien Chaos 3Ds. I found Whoa. the one that I felt was the best condition. And I returned the other four to the store looking now. I'm like, man, I wish I kept them. They're like three, $400 them. each. Yeah. And they were five bucks. I could have 20 bucks. I could have kept them and, and traded cow. them. But I, I, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I'm a collector, but I'm not greedy. It was like, all right, sure. I got what I needed. I'm going to pass it on to somebody else. Uh, I had no idea. I couldn't see, but, but that was one of those things where I was like, you know what? This is good. I might as well do it. Like, might as well do it now while it's readily available. And then at that point, I picked up every new release. But 2017, 2018, there was like four or five releases each year. Like it was <laughs> yeah. really nothing. of the Switch Nintendo was out. Atlas. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. really easy. So I'm like, all right. So like Yokai Watch 3, I got that at launch. I pre-ordered it. So I never had a search for it. The yo mm. Watch 2 uh, and the blasters and all that. Like I had all those at launch because at that point, I was like, I'm just doing the set. So, right. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting thing. And especially now where it's, there's still games, you know, Fragrant story just came out and the the two from limited run and, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm still grabbing them for sure. Um, but I'm, it, it's, I'm moving more away from set collecting, which sucks because I really love set collecting, but the prices, post <laughs> yeah. pandemic have just shot up to the point that it's, it's all stupid. Yeah. So, it's crazy. It sucks, but at the same time, I mean, I'm still doing Switch. That, that's crazy. That don't know how I'm still doing that. <laughs> but the, the the 3DS was a set I just, I happen to fall into because I got a lot of games cheap. A lot yeah. of games, buy two, get one free at GameStops or yard sales or thrift stores and, uh, you know, online at, for the end of it. But it's a great set and there's a lot of great games that people are sleeping on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like Radiant Historia, man, like for Radiant sure. Historia. And, and, you know, originally a DS game, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the, there is a a sort of 3DS what it's called like perfect chronology, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like the, you know, the, the ultimate version of, of the game I suppose on th- I was I was actually kind of curious cause I had asked, um, I'd asked either Doug or Josh or somebody from limited run about, um, about 3DS games and, it seems so weird to me, and since I have you here, I wonder if you know anything about this. Like, they they had said like, oh, like it's not possible to get 3DS cards to like to reproduce games or whatever, or it's really hard or whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, then it's like, oh, we put up uh, the whatever those two games are that they just put up on Limited Run that are 3DS games. It's like, so hang on, I thought I thought you weren't supposed to be able to do this.
1: <laughs> so, so here's here's my take on it. The 3DS, like the DS, like the Vita, like the Switch, like the PSP, they're all proprietary media. Right. Meaning only Sony can do the UMDs and the Vita memory, the memory cards, things or the memory game cards. Um, The only Nintendo can do the DS, the 3DS, the Switch. So when you're dealing with that, they control all the power. Mm -hmm. So when they stop production... It's over. Now, right. that's why things like Retro City Rampage on the PSP was digital only. Even though they made a case in book, they couldn't make the UMD for it because the plant had shut down. You can't make more UMDs. UMDs are done. Vita cards, the same thing. They're done. Sony has ended it. They're discontinued. They can never do it. The same with the DS and the 3DS. Now, what happens is you have to put your game in, in and you have to like request it and put it in the schedule. So mm. each game, each each company has their own minimum. And I don't remember what the 3DS minimum is. So I'm not even going to say it because I don't know. But they have so many spots. And I think they were able to say a while back when they found out that they were shutting down production for 3DS gotcha. here. Because I've heard there were other games slated for physical and they had to be canceled because they just only had so many slots to go before the production ended and it was part of the schedule and that was it so they probably were sitting on those for a while and figured let's 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 wait and i think there's this thing going around where every company seems to want to be the last we have the last ever you know like the the vita you know nicholas still has those three games and they're sitting on them um, because they can't just produce one or two. like They have to produce minimums, uh, and it's almost like we want to be the last. And Limited Run has Revenge of the Bird King, and where is that? That was supposed to be a reward for buying all the Vita games. Well, I think they're holding on to it to be last. And I could be wrong. That um, We saw the same thing with the Wii and with the Wii U, uh, and we're seeing it with the 3DS. You know, those games from Limited Run didn't come out until after Fragrance Story. It was like, oh, Fragrance, um, there was, Limited Run did the Atui collection, Mm -hmm. and then uh, Drios or 2 or whatever was put out, and I'm like, no, this is the last 3DS, (laughs) and then Fragrance Stories like, we're the last, and Limited Run's like, (laughs) hold my beer, we're the last. (laughs) So, very well could be that, and I could be wrong, but it feels like, you know, that's why Nicholas has been holding on to those Vita games, it's like... They they told us it was coming, and that was three four years ago. Where is it? Why are those games right. not out yet? They want to be the last. Um, that's my, I, I guess I'm going to say my hypothesis. Uh, I could yeah. be again wrong. There could be something else we don't know. But if we're just wondering why those haven't released, and it seems Such to be, point. you know, that thing where we we can hold that trophy, like that invisible trophy. We were the last ones to publish on, on this physically, and in. I just wish you just released things and not care about that and let the gamers have the games. Right. Um, because I'm tired of waiting, Nicholas. Tired of waiting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those things where everything, like the Switch, has a 5,000 minimum in the US. It has a 3,000 in Europe. you know. And those are things. So when, when you're doing a Switch game, no secret. limited uh, Or uh, premium edition games, like all our titles, minimum 5,000 print run for all the Switch copies. We're up front about it. That's the minimum print we have to, but we do open pre-orders. We're not a limited company. We'll absolutely print more and our games have have more than 5,000 printed, but that is the minimum. And that's why, because in order to get on Nintendo's schedule for their factory to print the games, there has to be 5,000 or they're not running the factory. Right. At least at this point.
0: Yeah, that's super I'm glad I asked you about that. Cause I, from the outside looking in, I look at this and I see these people bring out, you know, new 3D I'm so I'm like, so hang on. So why don't we have, you know, Attack of the Friday monster or whatever, like printed on a three DS card if it's still possible. But you're right, they probably got in on something like that early on and had to just sit on it and they are just waiting to say, like, I oh, we're the last one. Here you go.
1: Well, it's funny if you look at fragrance story that is an official 3DS cart you know it was printed mm-hmm. it had to be but everything else about fragrance story is actually unofficial like the case is not an official 3DS case
0: oh wow you
1: know it's it's an unofficial 3DS case you know the manual is just printed whatever um, and it's really interesting because they, they could, I guess they couldn't get in on that, but they were able to get the carts printed.
0: <laughs> interesting. So there's man. only
1: so many of, uh, you know, whatever the print run is. So I don't know what the print run is. If the print run is a thousand on the 3ds, that means I don't care. if so it says, Oh, there's only 300 of these. That means there's a thousand of them. You know, if, yeah. if the, the print run was only 500, then there's 500 of them. Like whatever the print run is, that is the minimum there could be. Right, which is why if you see companies like Red Art Games, uh, they they do with like their PlayStation Four, they do the nine 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 series. Mm-hmm. This is the nine 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 series. That's because a thousand is the print run for PlayStation, so they take one away, so it's less than a thousand. And it, you know, like the American, like most people, you know, if something is nineteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety five, right. as opposed to twenty dollars. Uh, nine 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 series. That's why it's that way. It's that way because it's a, the minimum print run they can do. Man, that, what an interesting
0: it. business, dude! This is a very is. interesting biz. I find it interesting. Yeah, I so anyway, you do? Yeah, it's cool. I uh, makes sense why you work in it, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Well, uh, dude, I'm I'm so excited because you know preservation is really important to to me and obviously to you, and it's really cool because of course people can emulate or whatever all day long, but I like to be able to highlight these games while you can still you know, legally and easily get a hold of them. Um, you know, it's kind of, when it comes to Radiant Historia, it's a, it's become a little bit of a pricier game, um, especially now. I think the the perfect chronology for 3DS is somewhere in that like $120 range at this point. So that's, it, you know, it's a little bit higher price for for what it is now or whatever. But the the original one is still floating around that like $50 range. It's not, you know, too, too bad on the DS Um, but you can, of course, if you wanted to, you could get it on the, the 3DS eShop right now, perfectly fine for 20, 30 bucks. I think it's 30 bucks. And, um, so I, I like to highlight these games while people can still readily get them. Um, and Radiant Historia is a special one, dude, because this one, you were just telling me before we started rolling that like you guys were talking about it in like game of the year context. I mean, this is a great, an all time great RPG Um, that a lot of people have slept on and a lot of people don't don't speak about in the same breath as some of these classic rpgs so uh tell tell me a little about um your kind of relationship to Radiant Historia, how you sort of discovered it and what what that first interaction was like
1: so for me i missed it when it came out Mm -hmm. like most people and i have a really good friend who's very much into rpgs and uh he used to work at gamestop and i would I would visit his store all the time. We were, we're still good friends to this day. And uh, he asked me, he's like, have you ever played Radiant Astoria? I said, no. He's like, you like Chrono Trigger? I said, of course. He's like, well, this is like Chrono Trigger, but on the DS. And I was like, what? Like, how did I miss this? So he's like, I'll try and get a copy. So he wound up getting a copy with the the outer box and the CD and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he sold it to me. you know. And I, I was so thankful. I was like, thanks so much. And then, life, I didn't have time to play it. So it's sat on my shelf. And it's still sitting on my shelf today. And I never got a chance to. I was like, I'm going to find the time. And then I never did. So I never played the DS version. But then Atlas announced, hey, the 3DS. I was like, alright. Now I have no excuse. The 3DS was in the, the last bit of life. You know, and the Switch was just out. But it was the Switch wasn't so heavy yet that there was, there was time to take a breath in between releases, unlike right mm-hmm. now. So I was like, okay. I'm gonna do it. So, you know, of course when it came out, I was getting the set anyways, so I bought it, but I'm not one of those collectors where it's like, alright can't open the game ever, it's gotta stay sealed, but <laughs> right. I opened that up I took the game out, and I popped it in my 3DS, and I played it and I and, know uh, oh, you ruined the value! I don't care I, I'm not selling my stuff I wanted right. to play this game. After all this time, I had to play this game and I finally did, <laughs> and I completed it.
0: Yeah, man, it's it's really. I remember my. I think my first sort of exposure to it was, ironically enough, uh, I believe I was working at GameStop when the first one came out. This is 2000, I think nine or ten or something like that. Um, when the first one came out on DS, and I remember because it's actually weirdly enough the opposite for me. So. I played the DS one and then the 3DS one came out and I bought it and I never got around to playing it. So I have the exact <laughs> inverse of your situation. That's perfect. Um, so I I got that DS one because I was reading, you know, one of the things we used to do at GameStop, because we're just surrounded by, you know, mountains of game informer magazines. Um we used to just flip through Game Informers, and whatever month that was that it came out, I remember reading the review for it in Game Informer, and it was making these big claims, you know, comparing it to things like Chrono Trigger, and you know, it, it, Chrono Trigger, I think, is is probably the biggest comparison because of the whole time mechanic and stuff that Radiant Astoria has as well. That's the most obvious one, but it was also, I mean, it was throwing it in in some very like rarefied air, and I think it got like a nine or like it got a high score, and I was like, all right you know let me let me see what this is about so i bought it relatively sight unseen and i was like oh like the hype is real <laughs> like it's like it actually is this good like it actually is you you've got this like sleeper little ds3ds game that really does deserve to be talked about in the same breath as some of these classic rpgs like it's excellent
1: yeah it uh it exceeded every one of my expectations and i've played i played a lot of rpgs over my my life a lot of handheld ones a lot on the ds and it was just one i just missed so you know whenever there's a if i miss a game if there's a definitive edition i'm always going to shoot for that like if i want to play it i might as well play the best version of it or the the quote-unquote best version and uh i you know, some of the things like was, you know, the, the artwork, you know, is hit or miss. Some people like the new one. Some people don't. Some people prefer the old one. I like the new one because, you know, that was what I was introduced to. And I look right. back at the old one. And to me, it's kind of like that looks weird. Like I like the like the <laughs> new one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like anime style anyway, so it doesn't bother me. But it it's just there's something about it. It doesn't hold your hand. even Even the new no. one, it does not hold your hand. And there were times where I got stuck and I was like, what do I do? But the joy of bouncing around time to figure out what you have to do right. uh, was never cumbersome. It never felt like this is a chore. And
0: yeah. then when
1: I figured it out, they were all aha moments. It was like, aha, ha, you know, how could I miss that? Or, oh, that, that makes so much sense. Oh my. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's, everything is so brilliantly done. And when you look at it that way, it's, it's a marvel really is I,
0: I i think about stuff like that cuz it reminds me in that way it, it's almost like it has a little bit of like adventure game. Like it reminds me a little bit of like a, not a point and click adventure, but that kind of thing that you're talking about, those eureka moments of like figuring out, oh, right, this makes perfect sense. Like this game has a little bit of that, but it also has great characters. One of my favorite, I can't believe more people haven't just stolen Radiant Historia's combat system because I think it has a brilliant combat system. Like straight up, probably in my top five video game combat systems. Like, I love it. And um, I, I just think it's brilliant. The way it's like, it's set up on a grid and people in the front are like a, you know, kind of higher attack, people in the back of higher defense, but you're like grouping people together and attacking them all at once. I think that's so cool and satisfying. And like, I just loved playing with that, man.
1: It reminds me very much of Grandia that just okay. that to me was the first one i saw where you saw the turn orders right and i fell in love with grandia's system <clears throat> and every time any game does that where you see the turn orders uh it is just something special to me like you know the trails does it and you know, obviously the continue grandia this does it you know anytime you see that and you can plan ahead and you can play you don't just around with button. it. Bravely Default yeah. like, did that and stuff. Like I love things like that where you can see that. And this game, it has it in spades. And what's interesting is I don't remember ever doing this when playing. Now, I believe I played it on easy mode. I usually play RPGs and most games on easy mode or story difficulty because there's just too much to play and not enough time. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't need to sit there and, and have another you know seam or boss on on the mountain in final fantasy (laughs) 10, where I'm going to rage quit and throw and throw down the controller. I just want to enjoy the story and and not have too frustrating of a time because life is frustrating enough. I don't rage. So I never, I never really did this when playing it, but before doing this, I went back and I was just watching some stuff because it's been a couple years and like just kind of refreshing myself. Mm -hmm. And, And someone talked about one thing in the combat system that I never did where you can, trade turns with your enemies yes. so that they all attack first and then you just consecutively go and i'm like i never did that oh, i never dude, had the need so to cool. but that is such yes. a neat idea it's never like my did favorite
0: that. oh yes that <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. That's like one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, because then you can set up these strategies where it's just boom, 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 boom. And it's just, oh, it's brilliant. And especially like, again, when you when you have those setups where you can group everybody, it's like the most satisfying. That's the word I always think of when I think of this game's combats. It's just so satisfying. Yes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I, I, I still have to give the tip to Bravely. I think Bravely yeah. Default is the best just because when you're fighting weak stuff, you could just every off oh, max brave <laughs> on, on, on four characters and just beat the crap out of them. Uh, and I, I love the give and take of that game. But I almost feel like that game took some inspiration from this because the totally. Bravely team was doing Final Fantasy 3 and 4's remake on the DS as well as 4 Heroes of Light on the DS, which all came out like right, right before this. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like Atlas might, or the development team, might have even looked at those as inspiration being on the d s so I want to feel like they're almost like you know distant cousins of each other, which would explain right. why I enjoy all those battle systems
0: that makes a yeah, That makes a lot of sense i I could definitely see that i yeah and i and I think too about this sort of like there aren't too many games um you know, we we've seen the whole time travel thing done. In, in several games. And I think that that's the biggest reason why a lot of people compare this game to Chrono Trigger. But um, there aren't too many games where like you really can just like play with it like that. And you can even see like horrible endings. You know, the game will just let that tape play out, you know, and you can just play with that. And then you can just rewind it and do like, it, it. There's a real freedom, I feel like, with, uh, with Radiant Historia that I feel like is rare, even for, it's already rare to get games that, are brave enough to tackle this sort of thing, but it's rarer still to have a game that allows you to play with it in the way that Radiant Historia does.
1: It reminds me very much of a visual novel, like a good... Mm -hmm. Tree-based visual novel where you do get to see the bad endings. I know a lot of people go like, "Oh, visual novels aren't for me," and if you want good storytelling, visual novels—that's they have it in spades. And a good visual novel will give you those choices, like a choose-your-own-adventure book, where you get those trees and you get to see the bad endings play out. And sometimes you need to see the bad endings in those games to gain knowledge so that you go back and know what to do and how to mm-hmm. resolve the situation. And that's exactly what this game does. This game does just that. It is pretty much a visual novel RPG. And it's so funny that a lot of people don't realize that, or maybe they just they never make that connection because a visual novel is no gameplay. you know. And this game, there is gameplay, of course, but it's still that same, the ability to take, Knowledge that you shouldn't have and bring it back. Almost like your your pat your future self coming back and be like, "Oh, dude, let me tell you, you d- do not eat the tacos, dude. <laughs> dude do not. You're you you will be regretting it. Eat something else. Yeah. You know, like something like that, but obviously on a more grander scale." I love that the story allows you to do that. And, and with the, the new one, with Perfect Chronology, there's a third timeline. Because the cool thing in Radiant Story is you're bouncing between the two timelines. But they added a third timeline, which changes up everything. And, you know, it's really interesting to see, like, oh, wait, these two characters are here together? This isn't supposed to happen. But yeah. it, it's it's almost like a what if uh, to be able to play that out. But it's, you know, it's it's canon you know as far as i'm aware it's a a canon timeline uh so it's really interesting to see them and i think when they got to go back and do that they got to have fun they got to say let's do something crazy because we're given this opportunity very rarely do you have a chance to enhance a game you're done you're either doing a sequel or whatever you don't often get an enhancement and especially a niche title the, you know right. what we get to we get to enhance this game uh so you know in addition to all the little features that's something i think they really just had fun with like let's add a third t- like monkey wrench throw it in let's go <laughs> but it's interesting because it doesn't affect the other two because there's that balance between the two where you have to bounce between them for to to progress this one right. almost exists as a separate thing that has no effect on the others, but it's almost like a, what if scenario, what, and it's, I love that they were able to throw that in there.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so cool, man. I, and I had heard that and I, there I've, I've seen all the little like features. I've got to play the perfect chronology. Cause you know, and I, and I have heard too, just in the community of people who like you were kind of touching on who prefer the original version, either for art style things, or I guess again, I haven't played the 3ds version, but I had heard something about the, like the economy is a lot stricter in the 3ds one or something
1: i can't touch on i never had problems yeah i know i I, I know they added a lot of things the quest givers show you a little icon that they give mm quests, which is like quality of life there's a map you know maps the areas good (laughs) quality of life stuff uh you know one of the things i found funny i was watching someone talking about it like oh well the new one has an easy mode and it's it's why would you ever do that i want to play games for the gameplay so i like the first one better because it doesn't have an easy mode i'm like you don't have to play an easy mode dude like it's an you option what the heck? you want
0: to play it's
1: yeah. like giving people options is never a bad thing but uh yeah i mean if if you were to play it now like if you were like i've never played it before i want to from my perspective i'd say go with the 3ds because they had the time to enhance it um that's not to say the the, the original ds doesn't have merit because it absolutely does and if you have the time and you want to play them both um i would start with the ds version and then see what changed in the 3ds
0: yeah that'd be an interesting perspective i um i I, I'm curious, I do want to just, there's just no time, dude, but I would love to play <laughs> that 3DS version just to see, because it's been, it's been a long time since I played that DS one, and I was kind of like you, I was kind of looking at, you know, some, some old videos and stuff, and kind of falling back into it, and, you know, wanting to see kind of the new art style and stuff for the 3DS version, which just... Like it's it's there. I have it. I just, I just need the time to play it. And I remember the original, and I'm sure that the additional content adds a little bit of length to it. but I remember it being pretty like manageable lengthwise. I think um, I mean, I could be totally off base about this, but I feel like it was probably like thirty, forty hours, something like
1: that. Yeah, I think it's yeah. thirty to forty. And the three d s version allows you to load your your game without going back to the home screen and it also oh, allows cool. you a quick save. So you could actually like uh, create almost like a save state because it's portable. You can do it to a quick save state. Um, and then, of course, when you load that back up, it disappears. But, you know, with life, sometimes it's really nice to have that. Um, it also lets you retry if you die in battle, which is another nice thing. It's costly, uh, yeah. but it lets you do that. If you haven't saved in a while and go, oh, my God, um, it lets you uh, not lose some, some time. But as always with RPGs, save often. <laughs> always save. Always save. save,
0: dude. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's really cool. I've gotta I've gotta make the time to do that. And I'll be curious to see, like it, it is interesting to have like you, you don't often get situations like these in video games where like you were saying, it's rare that somebody gets a chance to come back to the well, enhance the original thing, change things here and there, and and you know, and then to have like a pretty clear split like even within its own fan base of like what some people prefer and what some people uh, people don't. You don't see that a whole lot. And oh, um, I mean,
1: you don't, I mean, unless you're Sony, right? Sony, Sony likes <laughs> to do that. Um, but I mean, you mean, look at anything, like look at Star Wars, right? George Lucas yeah. did the special edition. What happens? Some people love the special edition features. Some people, oh no, uh, purists keep the original. I'd hate that they did this. And and they're always the touch-ups. You, you're, The truth is you're never going to make everybody happy. So, you know, when they did the stuff to the 3DS, that's what the developers wanted to do. They chose, no one put a gun to their head and said, you must do this. So this is what they wanted. If you don't like it and you say, Oh, I don't like the art style, I know you could actually purchase it's a DLC, the old art style, so you can switch back. Watch, what? Which is yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> That's weird. Um, but, but you know what? You can still play the original DS. Like the right. game doesn't just like vapor, disappear, or you're screwed. <laughs> you can still play the original version and, and enjoy it. But, you know, there's a lot of quality of life improvements and there's added content. And uh, you know, I think you should give it a try. And if you I can appreciate say, that. Like oh I I just can't get over the art style like that's your deal breaker you know like I again personally I like it but if you just don't like it you either pay while you can to to switch it which is ridiculous it should have been there from the beginning that's why or yeah. you play the original or you know like that's it like you know there's voice acting too in the 3ds all the major characters right. now speak uh, which is cool and I mean you could turn it off. You know, you, you don't have to have the speech, but I, I mean, I like to speak. I think they, they did a good job with the voice acting, you know, yeah. it's, and it's great. It's English, too. I'm surprised. Like, they actually put I, English voice cool. acting in a in a late 3DS game where, An like, uh, Etrian Odyssey Nexus d- didn't. It was all Japanese, you know. It was like, oh, we just rush this out quickly. Let's get it out.
0: <laughs> that's so crazy to me. So, so the English, I'd be curious. That's probably going to be the number one thing for me is because I, I really do like the characters in this game. And I I like the the party and and I I'll be curious to hear like when I go back to it someday how those people sound in comparison to how they sounded in my head when I was playing it originally now they actually have like canonical voices and stuff yep. that's gonna be weird but again <laughs>
1: you could at least turn it off if you if it's weird yeah for you. yeah but yeah. But
0: yeah I um I really like because because this game I feel like has a I want to say like a non-traditional cast of characters, but like, you know, you, 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 it doesn't fall. I feel like this game bucks against a lot of like tropes a lot of the time. Like this, this game feels like you made the comparison to the bravely series before. That's another thing I think bravely does really well where it's a very traditional old school style of RPG, but it, it, it tends to zig when it could zag. Like it just kind of makes those conscious choices to kind of try to modernize a little bit, even though the original DS version anyway still does have, it is still missing some quality of life stuff and it was modernized for the 3DS. But it does still, even back then, it felt like, okay, this is what, if, if people back from the 90s had the tools of today, this is the kind of game they would make. And um and I I've always really liked that about about this and I think you see that carried forward in games like bravely and stuff today.
1: I think you're seeing that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. there's a like retro inspired titles are the, the 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 amount are growing. I mean that's that's even our bread and butter at premium. You know we we dig a lot of those modern retro titles. Um, because there's that like it's almost like an essence that uh, of charm from the 8-bit and the 16-bit era that i i feel while there's still a charm to the 32 and 64-bit era it's a different different style charm the rpgs were different the action games were different the platformers were different um not to say that they were bad because they absolutely weren't they were great but they were different and you know it's it's just like people looking at Chrono Trigger versus Chrono Cross. They're both fantastic games, but the biggest criticism of Chrono Cross when it came out was this isn't like Chrono Trigger. This right. isn't what I expected. Um, but if and, and if you look at Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, Secret of Mana, you know like any of those games, they're timeless. They they age like a fine wine. They're just beautiful to look at. They're immediately pick up and playable by pretty much everybody. And there's a certain charm there. And as we all get older, we want to, you know, we we become the game developers now. Our generation becomes the game developers. We want to recapture that. We want to, you know, when we were kids, we played, you know, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, NES, whatever you played on. It, I, most people thought, oh, if I make it, could make a game, I would do this, or I would love right. to do this, or oh, wouldn't it be great if there was a game that did this? We, we all had our imagination run. So now you're seeing developers do that, and I really feel that the team behind Radiant Historia had those. They they had that love for the 16-bit era RPG. Let's do something similar. Let's do something in that vein and and i have to feel they probably liked some visual novels too with the the tree system and and they did it and then you know i don't know how many how many of the original team returned for the 3ds one i don't know the the factor of that but whoever came and did that were like hey how could we improve it what were things that were missing and most of the changes were quality of life let's do art scenes for the big moments let's add an easy mode let's let's do the voice acting let's the, the map let's show where the quest givers are make things a little easier and then have fun and do the what if um, that's that's one of the things for me is that just seeing these developers show that love for that era of RPG which is personally one of my favorite eras of RPGs um, because it was the era that got me into them
0: mm-hmm. so
1: I'll always have a soft spot and that's why I was so shocked when I missed Radiant Story for the first time and I felt so deeply in love with it it was the last real you know that like the last big hurrah for the 3ds like it just it was yes. the last game to capture me for that long in terms of releases um even at tree odyssey nexus didn't capture me like *Radiant historia did you know warrior right. gold not a chance compared to what *Radiant historia did that game just gripped me and it, it had me saying for about 40 so hours What's a switch? Like I don't need this switch. I got everything I need right here on the 3DS. It's that good of a title.
0: It is, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting too. I was as you're because I was curious about the development staff, and I was kind of pulling this up and stuff. And it is interesting to see like how a lot of this team comes from like Shimagame Tensei and and like the the people, the development staff behind that. A lot of people are SMT. Uh, our SMT veterans. And then, even the. Th- this was the first directing role um, from Mitsuru Hurata. And apparently, this same person went on to do um, uh, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Ah. Oh. Which makes actually a lot of sense now that I think about it. I like, like that one too. <laughs> it, and it's a cool game, but it has that same kind of like weird setup. Like it has that same kind of like weird flavor that this game has and it actually kind of now
1: that i know that i'm like all right i could see that you know and th- and, and it, that's another one that they had to go back and redo
0: <laughs> that is yeah that's so funny the way that works man and um it's it's interesting here cuz i was i was reading about this and atlas describes radiant historia as their most challenging development for the ds the initial proposal i guess happened in 2007 So I I think that's, I think that's kind of interesting too, that it apparently had like some labor development. I imagine because of the time travel element, Mm -hmm. when you're trying to kind of figure out how to make this chronicle work, I'm sure they did look to things like visual novels and take notes of like how things like that handled and solved these problems, you know, cause you, you gotta, you, you can see that DNA. I'd never really thought about that until you said it, but you can totally see that DNA in this game. And I have to imagine that was what they were looking at.
1: I mean, whenever you're dealing with anything complicated or Mm -hmm. truthfully, if you're dealing with anything simple as well, you're going to get scrutiny. You're going to release it to the players and players will find. It's almost like there's a group of players that will purposely try and nitpick and find things that do not work just for the sake of going on there and ragging on the developers. Like, ah, I found this. You didn't do this. Or, you know, this is inconsistent here. And, it's, and just enjoy the game. But there's always those people that try and do that. So, you know, even a simple game, tying up loose ends, making sure everything's consistent. It's like if you ever watch a TV show or, or a movie production, they have people, literally their job is consistency. Their job on set is to make sure that the bowl is in the same spot for every scene right. and the picture frame is in the right angle and, and everything is consistent. So even if they take a hundred takes that you're when you're watching, you can't tell. And are there mess ups? Sure. There's tons of little mess ups here and there. Uh, and of course, what does the Internet do? They rag on it when they see it. Uh, the Starbucks and Game of Thrones. Boom. No. Big, big thing. Um, you know, People just seem to always look for the negative and they don't embrace the positive. It's like life is so short. Focus on the positive. Have some fun. Ignore that the inconsequential negative, you know. So in a title like this, where you have a time travel mechanic, where you have to make sure events play out exactly as they should, and mm-hmm. characters have to be in the right spots and have to say the right things. Yes, you can't have a character if if an event happens in a town, you know, and the townsfolk will now change their dialogue to reflect it. If you go back, it has to go back to the old dialogue because that hasn't happened yet. There's a lot of those little things that they had to do, and I'm sure that was taxing. Uh, And I'm sure there have been people, maybe there are some inconsistencies, I don't know, but maybe there are people who who went looking for them, but I never found them. And and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that it flowed. It flowed properly to me when playing the game, everything made sense. And that had to be an insanely Herculean task to accomplish. Uh, So props to them. They did a, a phenomenal job
0: big time. Yeah, cuz you, you have to when you, when you have a game like that where I mean, we were just praising earlier the way that you can play with it and take those puzzle pieces out and jumble it around and play with those those kind of narrative legos and things like that. But <laughs> to make that also cohesive and to make it flow and to pace it as well as this game is, I mean, yeah, it's it, it. really, to me, that's more impressive. I know this is a big thing to say, but to me, that's more impressive than what they did with Chrono Trigger. You know, like because Chrono Trigger is a classic game, of course, but like Chrono Trigger has like its beats. You know, you don't get to play with the story as much as you do with this one. You know, and the the fact that they pull it off even half as well as they do is incredibly impressive. So
1: yeah, there there's. There's something really special and and the fact that the people because this is a niche title it just flat yes. out is but if you talk to the people you look at the reviews and the reviews are overall overwhelmingly positive and the people who have played it are all speaking positively about it that's rare you know there there's you know e- even the most critically acclaimed games have their naysayers you know the like oh I don't like this game or oh this game wasn't for me Um for for the audience that played this game. If you if you like RPGs, if you like story driven stuff, if you like time travel, um you fit the bill. For those people there's very little negativity around this game. If you hate RPGs and you hate time travel stories, then yeah, of course, don't play this game. Like this 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 isn't going to change your mind. <laughs> um this game is clearly not for you. But it it's nice to see such positivity and it's nice to see such praise and it i i feel bad because i feel like this came out so late in the ds era was like 2010 the Mm -hmm. 3ds was right around the corner literally Mm -hmm. right around the corner it was what 2011 it came out yeah or march 2011 or something yeah, it was March twenty eleven. Right. So it was like right before the three DS. And then when they did the three D S remake or the, the enhanced version, it was it was after the Switch came out. So it was at the right. end of the the three D S lifecycle. So I feel like they're always late. And and I'd love to see this game get a port to the to the switch like got a port so they could port 3ds games I'd love to see this game get a port get perfect chronology ported to the switch I think it would be amazing uh, and of course, if that happens, it's going to happen after the switch two is out because naturally they've, they've got to be late to the party. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's how we'll
0: know. That'll be that's... the true sign that a switch <laughs> two is right around the corner is it'll be a month after the, the, the switch version of Radiant Astoria comes out to your point. I was looking at this as you were, as you were talking. So get, check this out. The Nintendo, Di- this is actually later than I thought it was North American release, February 22nd, 2011.
1: So wow. you're talking
0: like weeks before the weeks 3DS. Before 3ds, yeah, and then the 3ds version, February thirteenth, twenty eighteen. Which so is the, a, switch,
1: almost a year. the Switch eleven yeah. months <laughs> after the Switch,
0: yeah. So like you know, like it's just it's like a you know it's like wrong place, wrong time. It's like the bad luck Brian meme with this game, man. <laughs> you know, and it, that is as a result. Yeah. Uh, you got people that that sleep on it, and I, I do hope. You know, I was the the last episode of this show we did was on Tamagotchi life, okay. and in that episode, that was a, a sentiment I made because you you're porting something like Metopia, which I like Metopia or whatever, but I'm like games like these, like there's so many 3DS gems like this that really do deserve that second shot at life on the switch like this game's begging for especially now we are in an absolute rpg renaissance right now and like if you released radiant historia all cleaned up and pretty for the nintendo switch it would stand toe to toe with all of these other amazing games that are constantly coming out now Ugh.
1: yeah yeah there's, there's so much. To, I mean, the 3DS is filled. You talk about uh, Tamagotchi Life, which is actually the same series as Miitopia, really. Uh, yeah, technically, so, yeah, so that that could be there. I mean, talk about like Fantasy Life was a phenomenal yeah. 3DS game that could, could use it. Uh, Ever Oasis,
0: Ever Oasis, yeah. Like
1: there's so many on the 3DS, and this game, it's all up to Atlas. And Atlas has been supporting the 3DS uh, very, very much, and uh, or the supporting the they supported the 3DS too, but they've been supporting mm-hmm. the Switch. And uh, it'd be really nice to see that. I mean, we we had to pretty much beg for Persona. <laughs> we finally got Persona. <laughs> yeah, how uh, wild is so that? Let's let's get let's get this over. You know, come on. Like I, I feel like the Switch is perfect for a lot of these older titles to have a new home. Now I don't know the sales of a lot of the 3DS ports, Sushi Striker, how that did, and how Metopia did, and and stuff like that, but. I think that there's still a home. There's still an audience. Um, and it's a 5,000 program. I guarantee if they printed 5,000 of this from Atlas, they would be sold out within seconds. For sure. For within sure. Seconds. Plus, there's yeah. always a the digital. Put it out there. You know, Atlas has some great, great titles. And, you know, everyone, when you, if you say Atlas, most people think Persona or Shimigami Tensei, which is a shame because there's so many other Great titles that they have under their belt and IPs that they have under their belt that most people have never heard of. You know, yeah. I would love an Etrian Odyssey collection. I mean, right. there's like seven of them or something like that, counting Mystery <laughs> Dungeon. Yeah. Like, and, and they're all in the 3DS except for three. Three was the only one that, that didn't get a remake because the 3DS died. Like, bring, I don't know how they would bring them on the Switch because of the whole draw yeah, map, drawing, drawing the mechanic. maps and
0: whatnot. But yeah. like,
1: that was such a great series. Like let's do that. Let's, let's give it a new life. Uh, so I don't know. I, I would love to see it. Um, I don't think we're ever getting a sequel. I don't think this game is sold ever, uh, you know, ever to ever get a sequel. And I think that's what the third timeline was kind of them doing. It was like, Hey, this is like your semi sequel. Um, but yeah, I would, I would be all for, getting a switch and that that would probably get me to play again like if there was a drought that'd be a drought for sure i don't i don't often replay games um just because there's too many games i haven't played yet um but that would be one of like if i ever replayed it again it would be a switch or a switch too you know whatever um right and that would i would definitely purchase it again to show my support for <sighs> sure
0: i'd be all about that dude i yeah I, what's what's funny is like i I think because like the 3ds version that I have is still like sitting there staring at my face. I-, I haven't even considered the possibility of bringing this to Switch. Yes, make this happen, man. And you know, it's and, and to your point about Etrian Odyssey, this one doesn't have any like strenuous like touch screen nope. stuff. Like you could t- you could transfer it right over really easily. So
1: well, they that would be great. I would with uh, the Mega Man ZX games, right on the on the. The uh, Zero ZX collection, where yep. they had the the bottom screen, which didn't have a little lot, just as like one. a tiny little thing, and you could push a button and enlarge it. Um, so they could easily do that, or just put that data on the the main screen, like yeah. you know, usually it showed you your battle data, so they could put that on the screen, and it you know showed maps and stuff. You could push a button to put to the just, map or
0: yeah just do it like a typical mini map i mean the top screen in combat would show like the uh the turn orders and things like that but i mean you could pretty easily just set that up just like you do in in bravely or whatever like, it wouldn't yeah. be that hard to to set it up that way well, they, they actually to...
1: enhance that in the 3ds version oh okay they they now show you instead of enemy it shows you which enemy and where they are in the grid and stuff like that so they oh, actually cool. give you some more more details which is yeah yeah cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's a way to do it. And I, and like, I feel like you could, you could do it And this, this game deserves to be played by more people. Um, oh, yeah. I, I would love to hear, I, I want to, I don't know how big of a video game music guy you are. Um, I love video game music. That's like one of my favorite things. And this game has a phenomenal soundtrack as well that, um, is Yoko Shimomura, the legendary Yokoshima, Shimomura, And, um, it's really it's it's been a joy for me to kind of like go back and listen to this soundtrack again just even removed from the game itself just hearing like these tracks cuz she just does such a phenomenal job every single time and even rediscovering like I played live alive for the first time with the mm. remake earlier this year Great and game. I'm like Good, like goodness, she just does <laughs> such a great job, like with everything from that to this. And I just Mario Rabbids. I'm just hearing her music in Mario Plus Rabbids, and I'm like, she is just fa- fantastic, dude. She's one of oh, my yeah. favorites.
1: Yeah, the so. only the only complaint I could say about the soundtrack is that there's not more songs. Yeah, they do start to repeat unfortunately, but That's but, true. Uh, yeah, it, it's and that's probably a budgetary thing. Atlas probably didn't give them much of a budget.
0: Mm-hmm. But now
1: nah, the the soundtrack is is phenomenal. I mean, anyone who knows her just by hearing she does a soundtrack, I'm like they're already in. Like all right. She's a boss. That's like boss. Koji Kondo. All right, I'm in. Like no big yeah. deal.
0: Yeah. It, it just just what it, Yeah, she's she's awesome, dude. And and like I just I think about like the you, you look at this stuff and it's got all the makings of a classic rpg it just needs more people to play it <laughs> that's the that's the only thing
1: well i so. mean if you look at rpgs on the super nintendo right i mean they're timeless classic games and not only one did they not sell the greatest i mean that's why we mm-hmm. got final fantasy mystic quest um two we uh we didn't get a lot of games like live alive and you know, Obama's Lagoon and uh, Terranigma and stuff like that. We didn't get those over here because RPGs didn't sell well. I mean, Earthbound right. had to come with a guide, and yeah. those were on clearance racks. No one wanted them at the time. Uh, marketing, of course, didn't help. This game sucks. Like this game what, stinks or whatever, stinks, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's like terrible, terrible marketing. But like, there was such a disconnect in RPG gamers in America versus then versus now. Right. Where now I feel there's a definite audience. We've seen a boom. We've seen RPGs excel here. Final Fantasy does extremely well. Dragon Quest is doing much better than it used to be. Kingdom Hearts does as well. You know, Pokemon, of course, this was all, you know, Pokemon blew up. Um, RPGs, at the same time, RPGs are also a dime a dozen now.
0: That's true. You have too. Titles
1: like Kemco or uh, companies like Chemco that are w- almost like crapping out RPGs like every other week, it feels like, um, and there's not enough time to play them all. I mean, just as of the time of this recording, last week we had Star Ocean, new Star Ocean drop. We have Harvestella coming this week. You know, we've got yeah. Pokemon shortly. We've got, you know, it's RPG after RPG after RPG. Um, and I'm not complaining. I'm here for it. I love them. Um, but at the same time, it's impossible to play them all. You're going to yeah. have some. Valkyrie Elysium just came out. Just not came out. Ago. That, you know, did th- th- you play that? That one, You know, There, there's so many. So uh, it, there's no guarantee that this is going to catch on if it comes out. You know, it could sell a modest 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, even 100,000, but that's still 100,000. And then they look, well, look, Pokemon sells, you know, millions upon millions upon millions. And we're seeing uh, more and more companies take less and less risks because the game development is going up and they're concerned and that's why sony i made a joke earlier but sony keeps re-releasing the same games over and over again because they're like oh last of us is a surefire sale we're going to redo horizon now because that's surefire gonna sell more copies um and they're taking like because a lot of their risks that they've taken have not panned out they have not made the the sales requirements or 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 set the world on fire and we're seeing that across the board with different companies uh and it sucks and it's almost like like square enix i mean square enix is famous for for saying you know like oh tomb raider didn't become profitable until the the ps4 and the xbox one versions finally came out like it took four versions of that game for it to be considered profitable for them and then they sold it all off to embracer group because it just wasn't making enough for them and that was an ip like tomb raider like what the heck what, what are chances your expectations? Radiant Historia have? Yeah, against Not something just like it. that. Because yeah. you, you see you see the same games come out every year. You see the FIFA's, the Madden's, the Call of Duties, the Battlefields, you know, even if it's uh, the Assassin's Creeds, even if it skips a year, it doesn't matter. You see the same games every year to every other year because they sell. And it's there's safe. a group there's a group they're safe, and there's a group of gamers out there, and there's nothing wrong with this at all but there's a group of gamers where that's all they play they play by yeah. like four games a year they buy you know new madden new fifa new call of duty maybe the new nba or maybe battlefield or some other first person shooter uh and they play maybe Fortnite. like that's it like, that's all they need and they that's fine and there's like millions of those but then you have all those other titles that just fall under the radar So while I would absolutely love to see this on Switch and I think it would be a no brainer, Atlas could be looking at it and go, what's it going to cost us to port the 3DS version and make the conversion? And then how much can we sell it for and how much profit are we going to make and how many copies are we going to have to sell just to break even? And if they do that number and the number is 100,000 plus, they could look at it and go, is it worth our time? If that right. number is 500,000 plus, do they think it could sell half a million copies? They look at it and go, I don't know, the, the, the market's pretty. And of course, they're going to look at how well did uh, Shin Tensei 5 do? How well did Persona 5 do? How well did Persona 5 Strikers do? You know, they're going to look uh, at all these other things and they they're going to judge it based on that. And that's the sad truth. They're going to judge it based, even though they're two very different things. They're very different. They're going to judge. And it sucks because a lot of games don't get a chance because of it. And maybe they looked at Radiant Story and said, we gave it a second chance. As you pointed out, at a terrible time, but we gave it a second chance. Well, of course, that's like putting out a movie against a Marvel blockbuster. And then going, do oh it. well, we're gonna put it back in theaters against the new Star Wars film. Well, the movie bombed. Well, no crap. Put it right. against uh, lesser titles, uh, and you, you, you'll have a better success. Uh, it's like it's like you know people are making the joke about Sonic Frontiers. You know, Sega's doing this whole thing right now with Sonic coming back. It's Sonic Frontiers. It looks great. Uh, I'm excited for it. But they're putting it up against God of War. They're yep. putting it up a week before Pokemon. And right after Harvest Stella and Bayonetta three and and star ocean. And it's like, you're literally putting the game out to die because it's not going to sell as well. It's going to sell great, but it's not going to sell as well as it could. And then they're going to say, well, Sonic didn't sell as well. Maybe we should move away or maybe we'll try something different. Even if Sonic frontiers turns out great, because that's what they're going to look at. They don't look Mm -hmm. at what it goes up against. And there's like a lot of great movies and TV shows that have died because they went up against something bigger. It's like time slots. It's like, you know, uh, on TV, like the Super Bowl, you know, obviously the most watched thing, like putting up something brand new against the Super Bowl. You're, you're setting it to die back when yeah. Friends was big. If you put anything in the time slot that Friends was on or Seinfeld was on, you were guaranteeing it death. Like you just don't compete. At that point, those shows were too big. And it's the same thing with games. Radiant Astoria came out uh, right before the 3DS launched when people were looking to the next thing. And even though the 3DS didn't catch fire right away, it was a niche title on the DS, which sold gangbusters, second right. best selling consoles of all time. But like I was talking about with the the people who just do Madden or Call of Duty, the majority of DS owners were Brain Age, dogs, you know, like uh, those type of games, those touch connection games, the Blue Ocean games, Animal Crossing. They weren't niche JRPG gamers. <laughs> yeah, so right. you, 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 just because there's that many things, you know, that many systems out there doesn't mean there's that many people that are interested in that style of game and that's the unfortunate thing because i want Radiant story to come back i want it to succeed and and i don't even know if it was a success i i i'm imagining Radiant story had one print on the ds with the cd and one print on the 3ds in the bigger box and that was it and it never got a reprint and it was a one print game so whatever they printed that's it and if a game only gets one print that's pretty telling that there's not enough demand and that's a sad thing for a game like this, because it deserves a second print.
0: Yeah, I'm glad I have you here to be the realist, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm like, <laughs> ah, bring it on, I'm dreaming over here, I want it. You, you make excellent, excellent points.
1: So, <laughs> I hate being yeah. the realist sometimes, because I want it. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's, it's a matter of timing, and it's a matter mm-hmm. of looking at the industry uh, from an objective point of view. And so many people can't, they, they look subjectively about, uh, you know, this is, this is absolutely, you know, the best thing in the world that has to happen. It's like, well, it can't, it doesn't matter. It has to happen. Look objectively, look as much as you may want something to happen. doesn't mean it's always the best for it to happen. And I do think it would be great for this to happen, but I also know that it's a business. And and if a game loses money, they're most likely never going to touch it again. And I don't know if the three D it might have lost money. I mean, I have to imagine it made money because they sold out of the print, and they're not going to print the game if they're losing it right off. You know, right from the get go. But I don't think it made enough money for them to to say let's let's keep it going. And that sucks. Yeah. Because there's a lot of games like that.
0: I think you're probably right. Yeah. And 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 I think too, you know. And, and there's a lot of this going on as, as we near the, the 3DS eShop closure and the Wii U, of course, um, eShop closers in March. Um, there's a lot of people who are kind of like going back to the well and trying to, you know, and they're, they're trying to kind of clear out their their collection. I mean, this may be the last avenue you have to play it, especially with perfect chronology, the sort of definitive edition. You may need to go ahead and just grab that 3DS version while you can. You yeah. know, might be it. You might not get a switch port or whatever. You you know, go ahead and grab it now. Get it while the getting's
1: good, man. And that's one of the negatives to consoles that have. I don't want to use the term gimmicks, but I'm going to use the use a a specialty or special way of controlling right. or special special format. And the DS and the 3DS uh, are sister systems, and they had that unique thing with the two screens. That was really unique the way it was done, and especially with the bottom screen being a touch screen. Now, this game doesn't really utilize that, but it's harder. I have to imagine it's harder to take a DS or a 3DS game and bring it. Not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's harder because of those versus let me bring a a PS4 to a Switch or a PS3 to a Switch or a Switch to an Xbox. Those have to be easier because the controls are very similar and the the graphics capabilities are comparable. Maybe you can up the graphics or lower the graphics or whatever, the 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 input is the same the controllers have the same buttons you know back in when when the ps2 the xbox and the gamecube were competing there was this big thing with gamecube ports because they only had 3 shoulder buttons as opposed to 4 and gamecube ports had to get creative on what they do and it was harder for developers and a lot of games didn't get ported to the gamecube because of that reason because they the yeah. controller just didn't unfortunately have that extra you know controller button the, the shoulder button And that's a big factor when porting a game is ease of accessibility. And unfortunately, this is on two systems that are harder to port. Again, not impossible, but if it's harder to port, that means it takes more work. And if it takes more work, it means it costs more money, which means it would have to sell that much more just to recoup. So... You know if there was some kind of deal, if Alice did like a pre order said, "Hey, if we do it, we're going to do a pre order and if we could pre order and get a hundred thousand units, we're gonna go ahead and and take your money, and we're gonna port this game over because there's enough demand and they, if they could gauge demand that way and there a lot of companies are doing surveys. Alice has done surveys, Sega's right. doing a survey right now about the mini consoles. And I think surveys are a great thing. I think if Alice did a survey about this game, was there demand? And they saw, and if ten thousand people went on it, and let's say eight thousand of them said yes, and they go, great, eight thousand people said yes, they would buy it. That 8, 000, we can't do an eight thousand print run. We're Alice, you know, you know, we 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 can't afford to do with the porting process. You know, if it was already digital, like what we do, is we do our games already digital. Um, if a game has to be ported and we have to do that, that obviously has to factor in because it costs money and it costs time. So th- I can't imagine. Maybe they, they'll talk to Capcom, what they did with with the ZX. Maybe they'll talk to Nintendo and say, yeah. hey, um, you know, how did you do it with Miitopia? Can you help us? And I'm sure Nintendo would. N- Nintendo you often will, will help out developers like that and, and get a credit or whatever. And I wish they would. I wish they would say, yeah, sure, bring your 3DS games over to the Switch. Absolutely. Here's how we did it with Metopia. Here's how we did it with Sushi Striker. You know, because yeah. there's there's an audience. But again, Nintendo's only done it with what two, those two titles, I think. Not oh, Captain lot. Toad, but uh, that was originally a Wii U game. So yeah. So it's like, okay, you know, what about Nintendo's other titles? They have the Mario and Luigi games. <laughs> they they're all on the DS or the 3DS. Stranded, they can do, man. They can do yeah. a whole whole collection and they're not touching it you know those they're, dylan's rolling western and that whole series box box boy you know right. there's a bunch of nintendo owned ip people have been asking for kid icarus uprising let's get that yes where's that metroid samus returns you know the, any of the zelda games ocarina of time 3d and majora's Mask 3d or link between worlds or triforce heroes you know where are those uh, phantom hourglass spirit tracks You know, so who knows that we can't say what the future is going to have, but I have to imagine that's one of the reasons that we haven't seen a port and, uh, I mean, the switch is a perfect system for it. They could bring it to the PS4 if they wanted to as well. Um, not as much demand I would think there, but still they could do it, but they haven't, which means their schedules full, or they don't find it profitable. If they don't find it profitable, it's pretty much dead in the water. Unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Well, I, look, you and I will be freaking out about it if it happens. Oh yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll sell at least two copies, Atlas. Yeah. Atlas,
1: spend the money to port it for two copies sold, just for us. But you have just to print at least five thousand. So what you do with those other four thousand nine hundred and ninety-eight? is up to nah. you. <laughs>
0: you'll they'll figure it out. Well, we'll just have to buy those two. How about you know it? what? let's that's, That'll be expensive. <laughs>
1: how, are you putting oh, up? How man. much are you putting up, Seth? Let's go. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna have to figure out how we're gonna split this, man. I'm gonna need a lot of people to listen to this episode, buy a bunch of premium edition games. We're gonna figure this out. <laughs> oh man. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on and chatting about it. I think it's important to have conversations like this. And, and you know, and again, and especially as we're, we're facing a lot of these realities, man, as, as fans of games like this, we're, we're having to face a lot of this stuff. And um, I encourage people to go out and buy this game while you can and uh, and play it. It's a special game. If, you know, we, we would love to see it on Switch, but there are these very real things that we have to consider. And, you know, it, it, it probably is unlikely, but we, we have to... We keep keep the hope alive, and um, even if it just comes down to me and Barry buying them all, <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and bring it over, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I uh, hope I'll you're listening. You, uh,
0: Atlas. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're listening too, Atlas. Come on, I only begged you <laughs> vocally for Persona Five for how many years, and you just now did that. So uh, cool. Well, dude, um, point people in your direction here. As as we wrap up, how can people follow you online in premium edition and keep up with everything going on?
1: Sure. So you could follow me on Twitter, I'm at Hawk Hellfire. You could find me uh, on on the YouTube with Nintendo Fuse, youtube.com slash Nintendo or NintendoFuse.com and Nintendo Fuse at Twitter, where we do bi weekly podcasts every other Monday night at eight thirty PM Eastern. Uh, so the next one is this upcoming Monday. Uh, you could also find Premium Edition Games at PremiumEditionGames.com, where you could purchase all the, our latest titles from Series 5. That's They Bleed Pixels, Raji, uh, that's Love 3, Eagle Island Twist, as well as some of our older titles as they come in stock. We do second chance sales, and we're not a limited company, so we want to make sure you get these amazing titles. Uh, also, you can follow us on Twitter at Premium Edition one and everywhere else between Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, the like, um just at premium edition games
0: awesome yeah And you guys will of course find links to all of that stuff in the uh video and episode description and um yeah barry just again thanks so much for coming out dude it's so so much fun
1: thanks so much for having me Seth. I, I really appreciate the time i really appreciate getting to sit and uh and talk about this amazing title yeah,
0: yeah. I appreciate it, man. And you guys can follow me uh, on Twitter at $2 Hero. Of course, links to all of our stuff all in and Keep Nintendo Weird stuff is in the video and episode description as well. And uh, until next time, thank you again, Barry. Thank you, everybody out there, the audience. Create what you want to create. And thank you for helping me keep Nintendo weird. Bye-bye. Have a good one.